Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to this week's episode of Tell Me Your Tales. I'm Brady Trailful, the host of the show. If it's your first time here, welcome on this podcast. I have a chat with people who I find wise, inspirational, successful, and motivating. And on this week's show, I'm having a chat with Ash Watson. Ash is an elite, middle, long, ultra distance runner. He's represented Australia at the World Cross Country Championships. Uh, back as a junior athlete and now is concentrating a bit more on the longer ultra events. This weekend he's going to run the Comrades Ultra Marathon over in South Africa, which is a massive ultra marathon race, and he's going to try to do it at 4 minute K pace. So good luck to him there. In this chat we talk about how his training's been going for that race, his journey into running as a junior, and being a Ballarat boy, some of the amazing people that he's got to train with over the years. He also says some pretty insightful stuff about life balance, which I found pretty interesting towards the end. He, you'll, um, you'll get to it when he starts talking about holidays and stuff, and it's something I really could relate to. And um, yeah, really, really insightful, I thought. Anyway, here's this week's chat with Ash Watson. I hope you enjoy it. Rightio, Ash Watson, welcome to Tell Me Your Tales. Thanks, thanks for having me. Yeah, beautiful. I, um, I'm kind of intrigued by you a bit because I really want to unpack some of this comrade stuff and some of these massive training sessions, but I also want to go back and hear about your junior career and kind of your ups and downs with running over the years. So I reckon you're going to make a perfect guest to be on this podcast. Uh, yeah, thanks. Yeah, it's pretty much um, how it's been. It's been a bit of a break between uh, a junior and sort of getting back into it now. So, uh, yeah, it's yeah, been that, a... That's good, mate. Do you want to maybe introduce yourself to the listeners first? Yeah, yeah. So, um, Ash Watson, I'm from Ballarat, um, born and bred. was off in Melbourne for a few years for uni, but um, pretty much been running forever. Had a Pretty took juniors pretty seriously. Um, then had a bit of a layoff for sort of three or four years. Did a bit of travelling, kind of didn't run too much over that period, and then uh, just got back into it over the last probably year or two, a bit more seriously again, just to have a crack at a couple of uh, goals that I had still. Yeah, right. Do you want to maybe list off some of your PBs, mate, to just let people know what kind of athlete we're talking about here? Uh, yeah, so. Most of my PBs are pretty old now, um, mostly from when I was a junior, sort of 18 to 21. Uh, 14, 55, I've ran for 5K, uh, 31, 14. 
half marathon. I'm not exactly sure, but I think it's around 69.10 and marathon's 2.24.50. Yeah, from right. Beautiful. All back in 2011. Yeah, well, that was, as I said, you were, I remember coming across you first in that Eagle Hawk to Bendigo race. Can you remember that? I do, yeah. That yeah. was probably, that'd be at least, that'd be over a decade ago now. Oh, yeah. But you were yeah. like, that was a pretty prestigious race back in the day. And you look through the winners lists and it was just quality athlete after quality athlete. And um, I think at the time you were the youngest ever winner of it. Yeah, no, I do distinctly remember that race, actually. I was uh, probably, I mean, like 16 at the time. And I just remember I wanted to win the 200 or 250 bucks or whatever it was. Thought, oh, that's great for a 16-year-old. I don't make any money, so that's uh, heaps of money. Yeah, good payday <laughs> for about 18 minutes of running. So Exactly, yeah. So, no, I do remember that day. Um, it was good. Did you run that day? I did. You smashed me. I would have been a couple of minutes behind you. Yeah, I remember. And I reckon I would have been, yeah, I'm born in 87. Are you 90 or 89? 89, yeah. yeah. Yep, so I had a couple. Yeah, I would have been 18. I reckon you sprinted off with Richard Gleisner at the end there. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and there was that other guy from Bendigo, Dave, David Mead, is it? Yep. yep. Yeah, I think he was there as well. Um, but, yeah, no, I do remember that, that nice big hill at the end. Yeah. Well, yeah it's, a, it's a good course. It's a shame that race has dropped off, but I guess closing so many roads and, um, yeah, it's a bit of a risk, so many intersections and busy roads that you're running on there. Yeah, a lot of runs um, have gone the wayside of that sort of – Mm. track stuff same as ballarat too all that good ones are kind of gone now yeah that's it well t- take me back to the start mate um you touched on it a bit in that introduction how you were a pretty talented junior representing australia a couple of times when you're a junior but where did it all start out for you i probably started running because um, of the old man so he used to run for wendery athletic club all the way back in the day and i guess i probably got into it because of him that was from the age of about six or so, so it's been a been a long while. And yeah, he just used to run around all the time, and I just kind of jumped in. I think probably just got better and better as a kid, and we'd just win a few things, and then that would keep the motivation up, and um, just wanted to keep getting better, really. And then, um, yeah, made a couple of state teams when I was younger, and again, just wanted to see how good I could be, I suppose. And um, yeah, eventually made a couple of Australian teams, which was a huge goal of mine when I was younger, and that was amazing to, to run for as well. Um, Where were they? That was World Cross Country, was that? Yeah, uh, World Cross Country 2008, it would have been, um, in Scotland, in Edinburgh. So that was the year Bikili lost his shoe and uh, still won the men's race. Still won it, yeah. It would have been amazing. Like, What was it that like, going on that trip with the Australian, like all the open boys would have been there and plenty of good role models? Yeah, it was great. Um, Mottram was there that year. Collis was uh, there as well, like Liam, Shelley. So a lot of the guys are still around now. But uh, that was kind of one of my huge, almost lifetime goals, really, was to run for Australia. And to make that team was huge for me. I think it's probably one of the best runs we've ever had still to in the trials that year to, to make that team. And that trip was awesome. Um, yeah. Who else made that team with you that year, um, 20s? Uh, it was uh, Ryan Gregson. Oh, yeah. Uh, Richard Everest, if you remember him. Yeah, I do, yeah. And uh, Dewey Yeller. So they were all pretty good runners. They're pretty all quality under-20 team. Oh, they were very good, yeah. They How did kick- you go in the team competition? Uh, oh, gee, I can't remember. Still we were probably a fair way behind. I um, I didn't run so well in the day. Um, we probably would have been like eighth or something like that. But the depth of the Africans is just crazy over there yeah, yeah probably racing some 25 year old kenyans who don't have birth certificates and stuff oh i remember running um 
world mountain running the same year. <laughs> And I swear there were some 40-year-olds in there from, like, Algeria. They were not <laughs> 20, no way. Yeah. Um, yeah, so obviously you would have been hitting some massive Ks and some massive training sessions um, back in those days to be running and making those sides at under 20s. Do you want to maybe – like, obviously it kicked up another gear when you were – well, you won that Bendigo race when you were 16. So when did it go from just running around with your old man and doing some jogs here and there to, like, a structured program and jumping in with the boys? Yeah, pretty early. I've trained hard from almost 10 years to from age 10 to age 20 probably. Probably since um, probably about 12. I, uh, I was training with Rod Griffin back then actually. So doing the longest event I could, which is like 800, 1500. And uh, I'm not sure how much I was running, but probably still five days a week at age 12, which is quite a lot. And then probably by age 15, 16, I was probably, I was almost running 100 Ks a week, I'd say back then even. Yeah. Um, then 17, 18, probably was around 130, 140K a week. Um, and then that crept up to 180K probably when I was 20, just before my first marathon. So, and that was all pretty consistent. I never really missed too much when I was younger and uh, really had probably six to eight years of big, consistent training, I guess, which is. Obviously, well, I got some pretty decent results. It's probably more than most people running at that age. Mm. Um, and I guess the culture of Ballarat at that time as well would have been easy to slot in and you know groups of people to run with. It wasn't like you were a 15-year-old kid banging out 130K weeks solo. No, no, not at all. We've always had – there's always been a group to run with here, at least one or, one or two. Like I think I started jumping in with Mona's group when I turned uh, around about 16, so probably 10, over 10 years ago now. It was about when Craig uh, Mottram came down before the Commonwealth Games, actually. So uh, I think it was 16 when I started to run for us guys, and um, uh, they've got set training every day of the week, so it's pretty easy to just jump in. And there's always guys that are good and going really well, so it's pretty easy to um, be a part of that and get better, really. Yeah, well, that whole group effect's pretty important, isn't it? Was um, yeah. Troopy there for a while with Minor as well? He, he came down for stints, so sort of before any major race, he would pop down for a few weeks or so, never for kind of really an extended period of time, but um, he would make appearances and we'd do some sessions together. But uh, that's when Shane Nankervis was going well as well back then. So yeah. he was one guy when I was a junior. He would be consistently sort of training, and he was a really good training partner back then. So uh, sort of- what was that like, though? Like you're in year 10 at school and you're mm. going to – I, I suppose probably a lot of sessions at the lake and stuff and Mottram's popping in and out of him and Troopy and Moner and Shane Nankervis is running, you know, 215s and Commonwealth Games and did you almost take it for granted a bit or was that, like that would absolutely blow my socks off as a 15-year-old kid. How did you cope with it? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'd, it kind of slotted in pretty easy, I guess, because I'd known all those guys for quite a, a while being in Ballarat anyway. They're kind of more just mates, so you don't really think of them as being such elite athletes that they are even mono you, you forget how good he was because you run with him and see him all the time you just see him as another bloke yeah. rather than sort of the legend that he was but when craig was down before some of his big runs that was uh, uh a bit more sort of starshock i suppose because uh he was a fair old runner back then and jumping in with some of his sessions was pretty cool yeah i could only imagine it would have been um especially if your old man was interested in running as well, like coming home and having a meal and just saying, Dad, you should have seen what Motron was doing at training tonight or or whatever the case. 
yeah, I think he liked it more than me, to be honest. <laughs> uh, he was always more keen than me, and uh, he loves the running. So uh, it was good for him to sort of watch from the sidelines a bit, I think. Yeah, no, that's good. Can you remember any, um, I guess, because you're on such a projection to, you know, you're making these Australian teams at under 20, and were you kind of really set on, I guess maybe with the school stuff, like your year 11, were you thinking about uni and stuff, or were you always like, I reckon I can make it and be a professional athlete? Yeah, I did kind of go through a bit of a phase there where I wasn't too sure what I was going to do. Obviously, people always say at that age, like, oh, you best get, get your education and do the, do the normal things. But kind of when you're a bit uh, almost obsessed with running, I suppose, you kind of don't believe and just want to be a runner more or less. Um, so I, I thought I was originally thinking of going to America on a college scholarship Um that was kind of going to be as a backup plan if I didn't get into the course I wanted here. But uh, I did end up getting into the course I wanted here. So I stayed, which was a good thing, I think, in, in hindsight. But, um, yeah, you, you can kind of get a little bit trapped, I think, into thinking you can be a professional athlete. But it's not as easy as it sort of sounds. It's You've still got to have a job and you're still going to make money and live. Uh, and you can't be a runner forever. So mm. yeah. yeah, pretty hard to make a bit of a living off it. Um at that stage as well, you would have had massive, like it wouldn't have been hard for you to get a scholarship over in the States, would it? You would have had a bit of communication with the colleges over there? Yeah. Um, I was in contact with one. I think it was Butler actually. Um, so they were happy for me to go over there. They were a Division Two school. But I, I didn't really put too much emphasis on it until I sort of got my uni sort of results back and did or got into what I hoped first off, which was – sort of surprising um so i never really kind of had to pursue it too much and i was I'm glad i stayed here in, in hindsight yep radiology yeah that's it yeah yep. radiology so been uh out of uni for five years now which has been good and got a pretty good job here in ballarat they look after us pretty well so uh it's all worked out pretty good so you moved to melbourne for uni and then back home again was that always the plan yeah hopefully that was what was going to happen um there's only a couple of hospitals here but I did a lot of my uni sort of placements at this hospital here with the intention to hopefully get a job when I got back out. And, yeah, it all sort of worked out exactly as planned, really. So uh, once uni finished, did my internship here and at Royal Melbourne and then got offered a job uh, at the end of that. So it all, yeah, worked out just as I hoped, really. Yeah. And when did it all start? Um, like when were the first injuries and did that whole – kind of shift I guess occur that it went from okay I'm getting injured I'm taking running less seriously and it become more of a yeah time away stage I guess uh so I trained really hard for my debut marathon in Canberra back in 2011 and that preparation went pretty much flawlessly I did go into the race with an injury which found out it was a fracture in my uh, pubic bone after the race I never got a check before because I was too scared to know what it was but um, <laughs> I finished that race and then didn't get a scan I had two fractures actually so then that put me out for oh, I didn't run for a couple of months at least until that got better and then even when I started to run again I was still just super fatigued from that race so I think it was more the training that fatigued me more than the race itself and uh, and then I just kind of got through uni and ran like a fair bit, but never really with the intention of you no know, goals in mind. 
Yeah. And then once, once uni finished after that, then I um, nicked off overseas for three months backpacking and didn't run a step in three months. And then after that, then I kind of was pretty unfit and I kind of trained a bit, didn't train and never really got back into it again for quite a while. Yeah, right. I guess I want to go back to that Canberra Marathon. Like 2011, you wouldn't have been um, really old. Why did you decide to step up so young in your career? Yeah, good question. Um, I think because I'd ran so many miles when I was young, like running 160K a week when you're sort of 16 to 18, I'd almost done marathon training Mm. that most people would do when they're sort of 26 anyway. So Mono was pretty happy with me to do that. He thought that's the sort of justification he said too is you've you've trained all this time and I was pretty young. I think I was only 20 or maybe just gone 21. It was somewhere around my 21st birthday anyway. But um, I'd always had a tendency to be to be better at the longer stuff anyway. So I thought, oh, I might as well have a crack now. And it was a good timing too because uni, I was still at uni, so it's so much easier to train when you don't have to work. Or um, So it was a good opportunity to, to just get stuck in for a couple of months really and knuckle down for that race. Yeah, and you talked about your preparation being fantastic for that one. Um, can you remember what kind of sessions and mileage you were hitting beforehand? Yeah, it was very basic, very minor sort of stuff. So I did 16 weeks straight almost, uh, 12 to 16 weeks, around 180K every single week, around mono fartlek every Tuesday, around some 400s every Thursday. Long run was uh, somewhere around 34 to 36K every Sunday and that was just it, just consistency, boring, but same old stuff and got the job done. Yeah, and just felt super strong on race day, or well, other than the stresses? Yeah, yeah, no, it was good. I actually started off terribly. Um, I don't really like tapering down too much, and Mona's tape is pretty intense, so it goes from running sort of 180Ks to running like 60Ks in the, in the race week, and personally, I don't like that too much. I just get a bit sluggish, and... The first 10K of the marathon, I thought, oh, I'm in for the worst day of my life here. And then after I got a little bit tired, I kind of got a bit, my legs got a bit better. And I think I ended up running 73 and a half for the first half and then ran the last last half in 71.10. So yeah, kick down. Good negative split, yeah. Brad Croker did a similar thing when he raced a couple of weeks ago. He was telling us on the podcast, same thing, felt like junk early and then almost turned his watch off and then yeah, come home in 70 minutes. Yeah, I saw that. That was a good result, 224 as well, I think, wasn't yeah. it? And you were second that day when you ran 224, weren't you? Yeah, Rowan Walker beat me by, I think, uh, 10 or 15 seconds. Oh, so really? It was that close? That was pretty close. He's, uh, I can't believe how many 223 marathons that guy's ran, but he was super strong. Yeah, and he's a legend as well, so you don't mind getting done by Rowan. No, no, exactly. I was pretty happy with that for my first race. Um, was it pretty been... tactical? Like, were you working together until the last stages and then he... Worked well, over because, or? Because I'd been so tired early on, those guys had just gone off. Um, there was an Ethiopian guy, I actually can't remember his name. Uh, he, so those two guys were running together and I never even caught them until the 30K mark. Um, so then, oh, a bit earlier, probably about 24K. And then we ran together from about 24 to 34K. And then um, as we turned home, Rowan kicked it down a bit and I think we were running about three three fourteen. K's and I kept up for about three of them then he was pretty relentless and probably at four K's to go I couldn't keep up anymore and uh, started getting a few cramps actually 
Yeah. Um, just had to get to the end at that stage. Get to the end and then get the x-ray the week after. Yeah, get the, had the bone scan, the CT scan, and uh, yeah, had a couple of fractures there, which was uh, not not great, but at least I got the race done because you don't want to do all that training and then have to uh, stop because of that. So yeah. at least got the race done. So was that moon boot or anything, or what was the process then? No, it was a funny injury. So it's right in the um, the pubic bone as the where the adductor tendons join in. Yeah. So there's really not too much you can do. Just stay off it as much as possible, just walk around it, but no impact and um, just give it time, really. I think I had, yeah, eight to ten weeks of nothing, really. Yeah, just to let it heal. Yeah. Um, so then did you kind of catch the marathon bug after that, 224? It's not a fast course up there, but were you kind of – well, were you happy with a 224? Uh, yeah, yeah, I was for my first race. Uh, I was very happy with that. I don't know what expectations I actually had at the time, but um, I was stoked with that run. But then afterwards, because I suppose like any race, you finish and go, oh, I've run a two-minute negative split. It's not a very fast course. Uh, it rained all day. I thought, oh, I can definitely run quicker than this. Um, but then, I don't know, I kind of, uh, a few other things got in the way and never really trained to get ready for another one again. So that's uh, still the PB and still think I can run quicker uh, at some stage if I get there chance to or if i'm motivated enough to yeah so since then it's been a bit hit and miss though for you hasn't it like was it cadbury that you started and pulled out the marathon down in hobart yeah so that was um two years after canberra actually i was supposed to go to hobart in 2013 i think it was and i was actually quite fit for that race and thought i could run somewhere around the 223 mark there and had a great preparation again and i I did my back a week before yeah. for the second time. So I did have a back issue for, on and off for a few, for a year probably. And so that was really disappointing, putting in all the effort and then not making it to the race. And then I did Canberra, sorry, not Canberra, uh, Hobart last year. And yeah, did a calf at halfway. Not that I was in any sort of PB shape then either, but still probably would have run around 228. But to pull out of the halfway was pretty disappointing. Yeah, but you got back to Melbourne in 2013, didn't you? Like after doing the back at the start of the year. Mm. And then 227, was that? Yeah, 227 flat almost, I think. I remember because Lisa Waitman ran past me with, with uh, a few K to go. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that was that was pretty promising because um, I hadn't trained super hard for that. Probably had been running 130, 140K a week. So that was not a bad result considering yeah. Yeah, and then 227.01, it's got you here. That's pretty, um, yeah, yeah. yeah, like everything's kind of back on track a bit, got over that Hobart stuff, and then more injuries after that? Uh, so that was when I focused then on the Hobart marathon in January. Yeah. So I, yeah, trained really well after that and thought I was probably in the best shape of my life going into that race. And unfortunately, the back went again and never made that race. And so there was just a few injuries after another or that sort of stage it really put me back yeah so what's the go with the back is that mileage or it's just something completely off off running topic or i think it was um a work-related injury pushing uh patients around at work into the room so just something as silly as that just um trying to push them around corners and they're pretty heavy those beds and just doing it wrong and putting my back out so i don't think it was related to running at all i think it was more just one of those silly things you do that you don't use your, your back correct. Yeah. And it's a little thing, put it out of place, and it took a long time to get better, which was annoying. Jeez, it's just a bit unlucky though, really, isn't it? 
Yeah, that's right. I'm a lot more careful about it now, that's for sure. <laughs> Gargets fly around the hospital corners yeah, and yeah. stuff? Yeah. So, when uh, Very good, mate. So then, um, you know, 2016, when you come second to Julian at Great Ocean Road last year, that must have been pretty, pretty kind of positive step forward again. Yeah. Yeah, that was good. Um, I'd run a couple of marathons sort of off limited prep, I think, even last year's Great Ocean Road. I probably only trained for about six to eight weeks leading up to it, which is kind of what a lot of these marathons have been. So I can sort of run two hours 30 to two hours 33 off, not too much training. It's just been really knuckling down and um, doing, doing a long work that gets you better. But that was, that was a good run. I was happy with that. That was a tough day out there. He was flying that day, so I didn't even see him at all that one. Didn't you? He just went from the gun and that was it. Yeah, exactly. Um, I had a, a good run with a guy from Ballarat, Jason Dalton, so we had a bit of a, a bit of a race together. But no, nah, Jules, he was flying that year really good, so he yeah. was just... We spoke about that when I interviewed him for the podcast, and um, I did the half that year, and it was just brutal weather, those last 20 Ks, and I don't know how you guys did it out there. We've already, you know, 20-something Ks in your legs. It put me off that race altogether. That wind was crazy. I did not want to go back there again for that race. But if the wind was in the other direction, I'm, I can imagine you could fly on that course. But um, yeah, it was a, it was a tough day. It's pretty brutal as well, just because it's um like you don't really see anybody. You feel a bit lonely out there and isolated and just getting smashed by the wind. And yeah, it depends on the weather, I suppose. Could be yeah. as you said, could be a great day for you or a um, shocker. Yeah, some guys have run pretty quick there, so uh, it doesn't have to be slow. I think it's got a bit of a perception that it's a slow race because it's got a few hills in there, but I think you can actually go pretty well there if the conditions aren't, if they suit. Mm. Tell me some um, stories about some of the most fondest races made over the years. Um, oh, what my most fondest would have to be the, the cross-country trial back when I was a junior, the World Cross Trial. Because I knew back then that uh, I'd have to run in sort of the top four to make the team, and uh, I just had a great day. I'd been training pretty hard, and uh, when I knew that uh, I only had a K to go, and I'd got into third place, and I was thought, "Oh, I'm going to make the team here." That was a uh, that was probably one of the best days I've had. I think. Yeah, um, where were the trials that year? Uh, at Stromlo, so yep. it must have been must have been one of the earlier days at Stromlo. I think they mustn't have had it around for too long. Um, but yeah, I'd set myself for that run and it went perfectly to plan and I was running bare feet actually. Yeah, so that, right. Uh, that was a bit of a spur of the moment thing. And, yeah, uh, well, it's pretty rare to kind of, especially on a course like that, cause it's pretty good for spikes and stuff, but I guess mm. it's, yeah, which means it's even better for bare feet. But what was the thinking behind that? I'd actually trained, uh, quite a lot in bare feet, especially at uni. I'd train every Tuesday, uh, on the grass in bare feet and, uh, I've always been one for light shoes and the only thing better than light shoes is no shoes. So whenever I could, if this course ever suited, I'd just um, ditch the shoes altogether and I loved it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, right. And any other races that um, stand out for you? Uh, oh, as we were talking about before, my my marathon, um, my PB. Uh, World, uh, World mountain running actually was a good one. That was a... That was a crazy event. So I went there in 2008 as well and rocked up in this race and thought, oh, it would just be this easy run up this hill and got a hell of a shock when it was like this crazy 12% gradient for 8K. I still think that was probably the hardest race I've ever done in my life. <laughs> was, no, that was nuts. 
It's um, it's funny that kind of perception of world mountain running because I think it's you know it's kind of an easy team for people to make here in Australia, but mm. isn't it once you get over to Europe, it's just insane? Like some of the European countries have just absolutely freaks on the mountains over there. Yeah, they love it over there. It's like a huge, huge culture, more or less. Like we've got track and cross country, but mountain running for them's just massive. Like they love it, and I think because they've got so many mountains, they can actually train on as well. Um, makes a hell of a difference. Like here, we've got nothing, unless maybe sort of in Canberra, the Blue Mountains or something like that. There's just the trail and mountains just don't compare. Like there's, we might have what we call steep hills, which are like five percent, but these races are like ten, fifteen percent gradients, and they're just unrelenting. It's literally running up a mountain, yeah. so it's very hard to to sort of train for it because we don't have the sort of – we don't have the mountains in Australia. It's not, not huge here. When were they uh, – uh, what year was that and where were they held that year? Uh, that was 2008 as well when I was a junior, last year of juniors, and um, it was in Switzerland, a place called Crans, Montana. Uh, so that was a really cool trip as well, completely yeah. different world cross country, different sort of scene and people do those sort of events. But, um, yeah, it was really good, really cool. Yeah. And is that kind of um, – so we might move on to Comrades now. Is that a bit of where the thinking's come from, a bit of that world mountain running, like world cross country, overseas kind of big experiences? Is that why you've um, put this on the focus? Uh, the holiday part certainly was <laughs> was part of it. So um, me and Jen usually go away for a good five or six weeks a year and haven't been to Africa. So I suppose that sort of played a little bit into it. Um but mostly, no, I think I just found out about the race probably four or five years ago and thought it looked pretty cool and just how competitive it was for, a, for an ultra marathon kind of got me um, pretty keen on it. And so me and Mona had a talk about doing it together actually four years ago on one of the up years. Uh, obviously, his body isn't quite good enough anymore, but I remember us talking on a long run saying we'd go do it and... I kind of never forgot about it and thought, yeah, I still want to go do that one day. And then this year it was an up year and I thought, oh, well, this is the one to do. I've got time off work, so I um, thought I'd give it a crack. Put the holiday around it and it's a complete package. Yeah, exactly. So just to, yeah, sorry, just to explain to some people that it goes, so it's 89K, isn't it? Yeah, 89K, yep. From, um, I don't know, the two, do you know the two towns' names off the top of your head? Yeah, Durban and Peter Maritzburg. That's it. And then every year they alternate where they start and finish. Mm, so an up year and a down year. Yep. And you're going up year this year? Yeah, yep. Do they nearly say that up year is better though because it just doesn't smash your quads as much as like down's almost too hard on your body? Yeah, pretty much. So it's a it's a fair elevation difference. So obviously you're starting at sea level in Durban and Peter Maritzburg. So I think about 800, 900 metres above sea level. So it's quite a drop, and the last, well, if you're going on the down year, the last 40Ks are just pretty steep hills, and they just pound your quads, and unless you're used to that sort of stuff, I think it, it, a lot of people get undone by it, so I think it's completely different. People do say that the up year is better just because of the lack of the pounding on the legs, even not slightly slower and longer. People usually pull up better and can get it done a bit easier, I think. Yeah. And this is a massive, um, like it's a huge event for South Africa, isn't it? Like they don't rate, you know, half marathons and marathons. It's all about what your comrades' time is, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. It's it's like a huge, it's a national event for them over there. It's streamed on live TV for 11 hours of the day. 
Um, there's about six million people on the course. I think over half the course has got spectators on it, and they just they just love the event. So that's kind of like the Tour de France for them for running. It's it's huge. So that's another reason I want to do it. Is mm. and it's just um, like just general punters have a crack at it too, don't they? You don't have to be like a super elite, you know, train and massive amount of k's to be able to handle 89 k's. It's almost like a half marathon in Australia that you can get reasonably fit, run a half marathon. Same for those guys over at Conrad's. Yeah, exactly. It's just like a huge, a huge challenge for most people. I think some of the YouTube videos of some people doing it are pretty cool. Uh, they've got a twelve-hour cutoff, so a lot of people try and qualify by running like a five-hour marathon, and then once they get into that, they just try and just try and do this race in under twelve hours, and they're they're pretty brutal. Too, oh, mate, have you seen the YouTube videos of that? Yeah, yeah. So some people could be five seconds away, and there's like, nah, that's it. You've DNF'd. It's heartbreaking. Like, yeah, there's literally people who have run yep. 88.9K and then they're getting told to get off the course 100 metres in the finish line. Yeah, no, it's pretty rough, but I suppose they've got to do it somewhere. But you'd be pretty uh, pretty upset if you were one of those guys that are just missing it by 100 metres, wouldn't you? Oh, give you a bit of fire in the belly to actually do a bit more training. Like, we're not talking 12 hours is a long time to be out there for 89K, so yeah, um, yeah. maybe train a bit harder next, next year to not put yourself in that situation. Guys, yeah, that's for sure. Um, and they're really, is it, don't they do like whatever hour you run, you get a different, is it a belt buckle or something like that? Uh, I haven't heard of that, that one. I don't um, know where I heard that. I might try and, yeah. And I'm pretty sure like if you, yeah, if you're in the eight to nine hour group, you get this buckle. Maybe that's another one. I don't know. But, they're um, different medals. Medals. Um, that's it. Different medals. Yeah. So I think the first, first 10 places get a gold medal and then. Uh, there's, there's a different medal if you break six hours but you're not in the top 10 there's like silver and bronze and all these other range of medals for depending on what times you run i think yeah uh, so people go back year after year to improve their medal yeah yeah from what i've heard from most people that do it uh it's funny you think running 90k you you wouldn't want to do it again but it seems like everyone that does it wants to keep coming back so it must be a pretty special event i think mm. no, it's um it's definitely one of my bucket lists for some time as well i reckon and it's just that whole adventure kind of um behind it i guess as well going from town to town and yeah yeah six million people on course is amazing to be able to um cheer you on and stuff just you feel like a massive journey i guess the race yeah exactly i'm you're just looking forward to to the um the spectacle of it all really and seeing how it all goes because everyone's always had said great things about it so uh, it must be a great thing to be a part of i think yep um so it's about three weeks away i think and i'll probably put this out the week of or the week before you um race over there but yeah. like you're gonna have a fair decent crack at it your preparation just following you on strava has been pretty impressive yeah that's uh that's the thing i whenever i sort of set my mind to a to a race i i try and do it pretty full on so i'm going in with pretty high expectations, hope, hoping to go pretty well, but I'm also aware that it's a 90k race pretty much, and anything can really happen. So um, I'm hoping it goes well, and I'm hoping to compete pretty well with the top guys, but um, won't really know till I, until the race happens. Hey, mm. and I guess the top guys for this is like there's not two or three marathoners there that you or two or five marathoners that you'd be getting if you did go to a big international marathon over in Europe or the United States or whatever. This is a, it's almost a whole different crowd, isn't it, of athletes doing this race? 
the elite Kenyans and Ethiopians don't step up to it, do they? No, not yet. Anyway, yeah. is it, give it is a it year. Ethiopians this year that are, are running. Yeah. Um, there's typically quite a few guys that can run between two twelve and uh, two twenty. So I'm actually running for the Nedbank team over there, which is one of the South African teams. Um, yeah, and, they've got the green singlets, don't they? They. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm running for part of their international team, and I think there's about sixteen to twenty guys on our on our team, and most of those guys have PBs. Yeah, two twelve, two fifteen. So they're, they're they're quick, but they're not sort of the real elite marathon quick. Yeah, and forty two and eighty nine k. Sometimes that doesn't uh, transfer. Anything can happen in that last or next marathon in a bit. That's it. Usually, usually it's sort of the guys that run around two hours twenty that tend to win the race, which yeah. is which is funny. But you'd think that the two twelve guys would be uh, more the favourites, but that doesn't seem to translate like that. So anything can happen, really. And talk me through this um, team, Medbank. How did that all come about? Uh, a couple of the other Aussie guys, um, Brennan Davies and Vlad Shatrov. Yep. They're um, they're both running for them as well. Um, I just got in, got in contact with their, their national organizer, and he was happy to have me on their team. So um, they've got a oh yeah a team of about twenty internationals, and then um, they've also got their local South African Nedbank team as well. And they basically it's just kind of like an incentive scheme. They like look after you, you wear their gear, and if you go well, um, there's like financial incentives, and uh, they look after you on the course with extra sort of aid stations and they transport you to the race and from the airport and things like that. So, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome, mate. I didn't even know that that, um, yeah, that was, is there a team's championship or something, like point scoring thing, or is it just kind of doing it to wear their singlet? Yeah, no, it's just more for their advertising, I think. Yeah. So they look after you with the hope that you, you'll be wearing their singlet and you'll be on the TV. So you'll get a lot of air time and then if, you're in the top whatever pan. Um, you'll get a bit of advertisement for their business. I suppose how it all works. Yeah, that's a fantastic opportunity, and it's always good. You know, it's not easy getting yourself to Oops. South Africa for a um, for a race and stuff. So it's good to have someone over there helping your outcome race day. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Yeah. Have you had? Because did Brendan do it last year? Yeah. Yeah, so that, I think last year was his first one, and he went really well. Uh, it was the down year, um, but I think he came nineteenth from memory, which yeah. is a really, really good result. Um, I think he ran five hours fifty nine or something, something to that extent. But um, yeah, that's that's a great first run there for sure. Yeah, I remember reading an interview with him beforehand. Like he was pretty set on going over there to have a decent crack not just make up the numbers and have a bit of an experience so that's good that he kind of got a solid result and obviously um enough to encourage him to go back again this year yeah exactly um he i think he had a good race at the the world 100k champs i don't know if that was before or after actually but um yeah so he's pretty keen on having a good run again this year which will be good for um good for me hopefully there's someone someone uh from australia that i know to run with and yeah, and Vlad as well off the off the top of winning six foot track. Yeah, that's it. He ran really well there this year. Um, I didn't know he was running till recently, but you know, the more Aussies that are there, the better. It's good. So he should go well if he's done. If he's run that six foot track well, I'm sure it'll convert pretty well. Yeah, 
talk us through some of the training, mate. I've been, um, as I said, following you on Strava, and there's some pretty impressive stuff on there. But for people who haven't, blow their minds for me. <laughs> yeah, the last uh, the last eight weeks has been been pretty intense. Uh, probably average somewhere around 180, 185 k's a week, I guess. But uh, I sort of had four four or five main sessions in mind to really get me ready and think that I was uh, good to go. So I've uh, done a 55k long run uh, over hills at about 420 pace. Yeah. yeah. So that was a big deal. Four hours of running that was. How'd that go? Like, yeah, mentally, you're walking out your driveway or whatever and you know you're going to be going for four hours. Yeah, it's tough because... The, uh, the normal Sunday runs only 90 minutes, so that's sort of what everyone does. And I had to run two and a half hours before that and then meet them and run another 90 minutes over hills. Yeah. So a lot of planning goes into it, actually. When you sort of run for more than two and a half hours, you've got to have a lot of drinks, a lot of gels, a lot of electrolytes. So you've got to plan it a lot better. So um, I had to go out the day before and drop off all these things so I could – uh, have certain stop offs there, and but but really, it's all in your head. You've just got to tell yourself that you're going to be out there for four hours, and know that it's going to take that long. And then when you know that, it's it's not so bad. It's um, it's it's all mental, really. And it went quite well. I finished finished pretty strong, and could have kept going if I if I needed to, which was the main thing. Yeah, well, I um, guess yeah, you need to do another thirty k on top of that. Yeah, exactly. You can't be. Uh, happy with just finishing there because there's still a long way to go in the race so um that was a good that was one good one that that i got through and i've done another 50k run and i think uh i think over the last 10 weeks i've averaged 48k on a sunday uh so sundays the weekends have been big over two two runs for those sundays or you're trying to hit that out in one uh two runs usually so um, the second run will be anywhere between 6 and 10K, and the main run will be anywhere between 33 and 55K. Uh, today was 38K, uh, which is kind of just an average run at the moment. You're in a good spot when you can say 38K is just an average one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Real, um, what kind of pace will you need to go come comrades, like to be competitive, say like top 20? What kind of pace are they running? Uh so the, the aim is to run under six hours, which is pretty much four minute K pace. So four minute K's is five hours fifty six. Far out. That's good. Yeah, it, on paper it doesn't look too too daunting, but it's really hilly too. So the first the first marathon climbs eleven hundred meters elevation. Yeah, right. So that'll be the tough bit. So yeah, holding four minute K's up there. Yeah, so effort-wise, you're probably running about 350 on effort um, for the whole thing. And is that your plan, just banging out as many four-minute k as you can, or are you going to...? Yeah, hopefully I'll go... Th- I'm aiming to run through the first marathon in somewhere around 2 hours 45, um, even though it's hilly. Um, and that'll give me a little bit of time in the bank to get a little bit tired and hopefully not die too much, but... Again, it's it's hard to know once you get beyond sort of sixty k. But uh, I'd like to be I'd like to think at sixty k mark I'll still be on track to run under six hours. Uh, yeah. And um, have you gone further than um, like a sixty in training or anything, or how how far are you going to go? Uh, no, I, I left it at fifty five. So I originally I, I had planned to do a sixty k run, um, which probably would have happened about now. 
uh, because the last few weeks have been so good, I thought the risk of doing that just didn't uh, didn't outweigh the benefits. So I think I've probably done enough, and I just don't want to get injured now. So uh, I don't want to do anything stupid and just just stick to what's working. And uh, I don't think I'd get any benefit from from going any further at this stage. Yeah, and is Mona helping you with this stuff as well? Uh, yeah, yeah. So I kind of just bounce ideas off him. Um, he's obviously never ran anything like this either, so he's kind of a bit uh, unsure of what of what to do as well. But um, yeah, he's been helping me. So I had a, a double marathon the other week, and he pretty much rode the whole thing on the second one. So um, he's been good at good for helping out too. So that was a marathon on the Sunday at the O'Keefe Rail Trail Marathon, Bendigo yeah. to Heathcote, which you. Yeah, I saw you with about a K to go, and you looked like you just jogged a um, 235, mate. You were looking really relaxed. Yeah, that was a good day. That, uh, that was a pretty tough run that day, actually, as you would know. Yeah, but, I only uh, did 26K, and it was, uh, it was a tough day. Yeah, so that, was, uh, that went well. Uh, finished, uh, finished pretty comfortably, so uh, I was probably about 80, 80% or so. I think in the back of my mind, I knew I still had to run another one the next day, so uh, I couldn't go too hard, and... And yeah, the one next day went fine. Um, another three-hour marathon, so that gave me a bit of confidence going forward that I'll be, I should hopefully be right for most of the run. Yeah. Yeah, and like that next day one, did it take you a few k's to kind of warm up and get the junk out of your legs, or was it pretty good from the get-go? Funnily enough, it was just good. Yeah, I woke up um, not too tired and just got straight into it. I ran the first uh, eight k's with. Uh, Julian Spence and uh, and Bree, so I had a bit of company there, and then then met Mona and he rode the bike for 20k, and then ran for another 8k. So uh, I had a bit of company the whole time, which was the main thing. But uh, it was it was pretty good. I finished finished feeling pretty good. So yeah. And what about nutrition wise? Like I think you touched on it a bit before, but obviously for an 89k race, what's the what's the thinking behind that? Yeah. So that's probably the biggest the biggest thing I've had to uh, sort of get used to and plan around because once you sort of run yeah, above two and a half hours, it just gets super important. Uh, so I've done a bit of bit of research and a bit of practice and uh, for the race, I'm going to have to have uh, roughly about 500 to 600 mils of, of fluid every hour and also about 60 grams of carbohydrates every hour and about 600 milligrams of sodium every hour. So... It doesn't really matter how I get them, but um, that's sort of the ratios I kind of need in order to not uh, hit the wall and to keep being strong. And got to be pretty, um, it, like you got to make sure you get them in, or else things can go bad pretty quick when you run out of fuel. Yeah. So you think of gels, or like, will they have aid stations set up at Comrades for you? Uh, they do everywhere. Yeah, they're great for the for the uh, aid stations. I think they've got something like forty five aid stations. Like every two Ks, they've got uh, Coke, Powerade, water, and uh, gels and lollies, and they've even got baked potatoes at some of the ones. <laughs> so they've got some um, they've got some pretty cool stuff there. Uh, so I won't have to worry about too much about that. And this Ned Bank running team as well has got their own their own stations as well. So if I want to drop off some things that I want personally, I can give it to them as well. Um, but yeah, I should be pretty covered for for nutrition there anyway. Yep, and the no. next three, three weeks, have you got any um, like monster or any impressive sessions coming up? Or not that they're not all impressive, but anything that's pretty big mileage? 
Um, not really, actually. I'll, I'll start ramping it down pretty soon. Um, I had a pretty hard session yesterday where I ran up. We've got a mountain here, Mount Bunningong, which is a pretty pretty solid run we do normally just once. I went up there three times yesterday. Yeah, I saw that. What's the elevation per time? Uh, 340 metres, I think, it climbs each time over 6K. 6K, yeah. Up to 6%, and it's pretty relentless. It's a tough run. And you were hitting 23 minutes, weren't you, pretty much? Mm. So usually... Usually we say if you're running under 23, you're going not too bad, and under 22, you're going sort of very good. So, uh, yeah, to run three of them in that pace was a pretty good sign. Um, Were you jogging back down, or did you have a car dropping your back, or how would you work that? I had a car going down, yeah. Yeah. So jogging down would have got me about 45K for the day. Yeah, I I was thinking that. (laughs) And it would have been probably too big of a recovery to get benefit from the session. So I think it was about five or six down in the car and straight back up again. So it's a pretty tough run, but no, it was good. Yeah, beautiful, mate. Well, uh, best of luck for that in three weeks' time. It's be really good to uh, hear how it goes. Yeah, thanks. W- yeah. Want to finish off and just ask a couple of questions about maybe your routines and life mantras or anything like that, if you're keen. Yeah, sure, sure. So, so the first one is that life balance, like you spoke about Jen before and obviously working full-time and training for a 89K and ultra marathon. How do you manage to balance everything right? Yeah, yeah, that's that's a huge thing. I think that's what over the last sort of four or five years has stopped me training so much um, just because I'm like, well, when you're running 180K a week, you don't really have time for anything else apart from work and sleep. So um you need to have a bit of a balance so i don't mind training hard for this run but then once this is done i'll kind of go back to a normal-ish life where i'll just train hard enough but i sort of you still need to be able to go out have a bit of a social life and yeah hang out with hang out with jen otherwise i never see her going to bed at 10 o'clock most of the times and she's just uh ready to watch a movie or something so once it's done i'll sort of tone it down just so I've got a bit of a balance. I don't you don't want to get too obsessed with too obsessed with running, otherwise it can kind of take over your life a little bit, I find. So um yeah, very solid. Balance, yeah. And that makes sense, like, you know, going through cycles where, you know, you turn it on for fifteen or twenty weeks and work hard in a goal, but then also put your energy into other things in your life at other stages. Yeah, that's right. Like we love travelling and um whenever I go overseas or we have a bit of a holiday. I just completely switch off the running. Um, I think the idea of having the holidays to to proper relax and enjoy what you're doing, and if you constantly got a nagging thing in the back of your head saying you've got to go out for a run, so you can't sleep in or you can't do this or this, then that's where I, I draw the line. I'm like, no, you've got to enjoy yourself. You can't you can't just be too serious on it all the time. So. Um, that's well, that's where that burnout comes from, and it's not really sustainable. Like, you might be able to do it through one holiday or for three years or whatever, but eventually it's going to catch up with you if you don't have those planned breaks. Yeah, that's that's right, and probably happened a bit after my first my first marathon, actually, um, which is why I thought, oh, like, yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an okay runner, but I'm probably never going to make the Olympics, and I thought, well, I don't know, really know why I need to run all this amount when I can sort of balance it a bit more and just get okay results and just be happy with that really. Uh, so that's kind of where I've been the last few years. Yeah, good mentality. What yeah. about, um, could you share maybe three of your favourite sessions that 
I guess anybody listening to this, if they're a you know a half an hour five k runner or a fifteen minute five k, you reckon they'd get good good bang for their buck out of? Yeah. So, firstly, just long run. I think if you if you're running for thirty k, oh maybe not for a, a short runner, but if you're doing one sort of long run uh, in the week, I think you just feel good about yourself at the end and think, oh yeah, I've done. Uh, done something good here running for this long and just kind of get your confidence up a bit uh the bunny young run i did yesterday so just one long hard hill is really tough because you've got nowhere to to hide you've you've got to run hard the entire time and uh that gets you really fit and mightn't be suitable for most people depending on where you live but hill repeats are uh are very good yeah Uh, yeah, they're probably the main ones. I mean, uh, we vary a lot of stuff. We just do the normal mono, mono things and a bit of the track, but nothing too fancy. Yeah, no, you guys are good, and you've got a good group there currently as well. Like it's, um, I'm a bit envious of. I can just imagine the amount of trash that you and Julian and that are talking on uh, some of those runs. Oh yeah, our, our Sunday runs are. They don't feel like they go for two hours when you've got Nate Hardigan talking crap the entire way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, it, it's good. It makes the runs go a lot quicker, but geez, you can talk some rubbish, that's for sure. Yeah, but, what's he up to? Is he going to run another marathon? I haven't heard anything about him for a while. Uh, he's he's had a bit of an injury lately. He's got some uh, issues with his groin, but he's coming back all right. As far as his plans, I'm not too sure what, um, what he's got coming up, but he was supposed to run Melbourne last year and had a got a bit injured before that as well, so he hasn't had a real good run of it either, but um, he'll be back for sure. Yeah, no, that's good, mate. And then finally, um, you got a mantra that you live your life by? Any significant quotes or anything in the back of the mind that you always uh, try and live by? Um, not not so much for running related, but uh, my favourite movies are Into the Wild. I don't know if you've seen that. Um, I've read the book a few times. The um, Yeah, so that's my favourite favorite movie, favourite book, and... Um, I mean, Jen always liked that. Happiness is only real when shared. That's our favourite quote. Yeah, so, that's nice. Yeah, so I love that. And we actually went over to Alaska and did that trek uh, last year. So, uh, yeah, we love that sort of uh, so, so, that sort of motto. Yeah, and that is, you know, you can fit that to running as well. I just know we launched our park run here yesterday and just seeing, like we had 232 people at our first one and it's just, you know, I don't know, sometimes as elite runners, we can sometimes box ourselves and not get involved in the community. But when you share running with other people, no matter if it takes them, you know, 60 minutes to walk it or 18 minutes to run it or whatever, it's really good just being able to share that. And you could just see all the happiness on everyone's face there yesterday when they were finishing up. Yeah, totally agree. And then then their friends want to come and it's just a good atmosphere. Uh, that's an impressive number uh, your park run that's really good yeah 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 no it's good we um we kind of got uh encouraged not to not to advertise it too much just in case we'd be overwhelmed in the first one but we kind of just ignored that and um pumped yeah. it up as much as possible we've got a got a good organizing committee probably six of us who know what we're doing event wise and um yeah we had more than more than enough volunteers i don't think we'll get that every week but yeah hopefully we can sit at 150 or something so for a small community it's pretty impressive that's brilliant i think ballarat's sort of in the, in the 100 to 130 range so that's really good how many you've got going there yeah well i think with the launches though people travel to support the first one so we oh, probably right. had 
yeah, probably 50 or 60 out-of-towners who would come over just to help us out with the first one from towns pretty much an hour away. So um, they won't come back next weekend, but we'll hope that everyone can tell a friend that was there locally and bring them along. Yeah, no, that's great. It's a good thing for sure. The park run's a good incentive, especially how big it's got now around the world. It's great. Oh, it's massive. It's like a whole cult. Like we had people, they wanted to tick off one. We were the second. There's only two that start with E in Australia. So yeah. um, yeah, they want to tick off the alphabet. So they, a couple of people drove a couple of hours to get their E for the alphabet up. It's, um, oh, yeah. yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, right. That's good. That's good. Rightio, mate. I better let you go. Getting out for another run this afternoon. Yeah, I've got another meeting minor at five, so I've got another 10K or so to do to finish the week off. And the next week's a rest week for me, so that'll be nice. Just a lazy 48K Sunday. Just a lazy 48K, that's it. Sort of a standard Sunday these days, yeah. Yeah, beautiful, mate. I really appreciate your time, Ash. No worries. You're welcome anytime. See you, mate. Good luck for Comrades if we don't talk before. Yeah, thanks, Freddie. No worries. Thanks, Ash. Bye. Bye-bye. that was ash watson thank you for listening again i really appreciate it thanks to the people who have outreached on um the email a few people have hit me up during the week and given me their insights and their kind of feedback on the show which has been really positive and it's really good to get that stuff i know i've said it before but sometimes you feel like you're just sitting here in the microphone and kind of producing this stuff and you're not really sure what people are thinking of it so any feedback that you've got for me i'd be more than happy to take it negative or positive i hope you have a running week my running's finally started to turn a corner a bit i think last week was the first week where i did three good running workout sessions in a week probably since berlin to be honest so um that's been a long Uh, probably nine months since I've kind of hit the kind of form I'm hitting here and finally at some good mileage I nearly hit 150k last week so starting to turn the corner and touch wood hopefully I can keep tracking that way anyway that's the show for the week happy running I'll see you next week
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.